Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Ve salatu vesselam. Ala Resulillah. Ve ala alihi ve sahbihi. Ve men. Ve ala. Khuatim mubarakatu. All of you. Inşallah ta'ala we are going to continue on our journey. Endeavoring to strengthen our relationship with the Quran. And for this lesson today alone I'm going to depart slightly from the Ahya. We'll come back to that tomorrow. And inshallah ta'ala. Uh, read more of the remaining parts of the Kitab Adab Tilawat al-Quran. Um, today I wanted to take a, go into a little bit more detail and talk about what was called a tafsir al-ishari, an elusive interpretation. Uh, and in, in general, uh, that you have uh, that a tafsir that is based upon transmission, um, a tafsir bil-ma'thur, and then you have a tafsir bil ra'i, which you could translate as a scholarly interpretation. And then you have what is called a tafsir al-ishari. It's an elusive interpretation. It's an implied or indirect reference to an inner meaning or even a more esoteric meaning. And of course, that the ulama have given conditions, as we will see, for a valid tafsir ishari. And, um, and then on another hand, it's a type of tafsir in a sense, but it, it tends to be that implied or indirect. Um, so it could also be considered in that category. And then inshallah ta'ala we will get back to Imam Ghazali's treatment of the hadith of our Prophet about من فسر Quran بِرَأْيِهِ Whoever explains the Qur'an or interprets the Qur'an with his opinion. And so that the, the, the definition uh, that, they, that they give for the tafsir al-ishari is as follows. So it is to interpret uh, verses of the Quran and Kareem in a particular way that is not restricted to its literal meaning by virtue of a subtle ishara indication an illusion that is comes to the heart of the arbab suluk the possessors of pure hearts who are upon a path of spiritual wayfaring, and that you can join or un- the, between that particular understanding and between the outward meaning. And so that this is not something that is new. This is something that took place from the time of the Prophet and the following story is a story that takes place with Sayyidina Umar bin al-Khattab and Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas, who was the Tarjuman al-Qur'an, the interpreter of the Qur'an, and some of the shiuch, some of the elders that fought in the Battle of Badr. So in this story, and Sayyidina Umar, as we know, used to be very intelligent, and sometimes he would do certain things for other reasons that people weren't necessarily aware of. And in this case, he wanted people to know the great stature of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas so that they could take from him and benefit from him. And so he comes into the presence and he's with some of the Ashakh of Badr, some of the elders that fought in the Battle of Badr, some of the great companions. And some of them said, why did they bring this young man? Because Abdullah ibn Abbas was still young at the time. Why did they bring, why did he bring this young man here with us? And that um, it would come clear when Sayyidina Umar al-Khattab, that he asked, what do you all say? 
about the verse um, in Surah Al-Nasr when Allah Ta'ala says when the victory of Allah and the opening comes and you see people entering into the deen of Allah in hordes to the end of until he finished the surah so until the end of the surah and then that they just said the outward meaning of the verse which is great they said we've been commanded to praise Allah and to seek His forgiveness if we've been given victory or if we receive an opening. And that some of them said, La nadri, oh, lam yuqul ba'dum shayan. Or some of them either said, We don't know, or they didn't say anything. And then that Sayyidina Omar said to Ibn Abbas, Ya Ibn Abbas, akadarika tukul, is this, is this what you say? And then Ibn Abbas said, No. Qal fama'tukul, what do you say? Qult, huwa ajuru rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam i.e. this verse indicates the imminence of the passing of the Prophet and he says Allah was letting the Prophet know that when the Fatih of Mecca happens and i.e. that these verses are referring to the Fatih of Mecca the opening of Mecca he said, then, this is the sign of your, that your appointed term is near. So glorify the praises of your Lord, indeed that he is ever forgiving. And then Omar says, I only know what you know about this. This is what I know about this verse. And it's not denying the outward meaning. But what this story teaches us is that the likes of Ibn Abbas had another understanding. The outward meaning is there, but he understand something deeper. He understood that an ishara, something that was indicated by the verse, that not everyone else would necessarily pick up on. It would require someone who is adept in interpretation of the Quran, and of course could, that had a pure heart to receive meanings. And we should keep in mind that when Allah Ta'ala says, لا يمسوا إلا المطهرون is that only those who are pure will touch it. Outwardly that relates to holding the mushaf in a state of wudu. Inwardly, touching the meanings with your heart. Touching the meanings with your heart. The prerequisite of that is that you be in a state of purity. Is that your heart be pure to have access to those meanings. And so... This is a type of tafsir that existed even in the earlier period. And the bad rap that the tafsir al-Ishari sometimes has gotten is because of people's misunderstandings, where people think that when they point to this meaning, this inner meaning or this uh, elusive interpretation, that somehow it conflicts with the outward meaning. And as we will see, this is one of the prerequisites that and indeed does not conflict with the outward meaning. And the group called the Baltaniya, the Botanites, the, the way they went astray is where they said is that the outward meaning wasn't intended to begin with. And they believed the inward meaning was the only meaning and the primary meaning, the primary meaning and the only meaning. And according to one of the interpretations of the hadith that we mentioned yesterday about the Quran having a zahr and a batan, an outward dimension, an inward dimension, a had a limit, 
in a mutla' or a muttala' or a rising point or a vantage point, um, according to some interpretations, some of these one of the, this, these in some ways could refer to and open up the door for this type of interpretation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book. And so um, the, the scholars then mention four conditions for the acceptance of a tafsir ishari. So for an elusive interpretation to be valid, there must be four conditions. And he says, the first is, And so there is no disagreement with the plain meaning of the verse. Okay, so there's no, it doesn't contradict the meaning. Okay, and so that, uh, for instance, uh, if someone would understand from the words of Allah Ta'ala, Okay, that worship your Lord until certainty comes to you. So then someone would say that no, okay, once that the hatta here is the harf ghaya. Once I attain, attain certainty, I no longer have to worship. Right? That We completely reject that because that goes against the sunnah of our Prophet that goes against what we believe in the sharia and what we are taught to believe by way of creed is that our Prophet that followed the sharia until the day he met his Lord and this is an obligation upon everyone. It's not a matter of worshipping until you reach a certain stage and receive an opening and then you can stop. But I would be that's heresy to believe that. We believe you have to worship Allah hatta yatik al until certainty comes to you, i.e. death. You have to worship till death comes to you. So if you would that describe in and explain certainty here as an opening, that would be incorrect if you mean by that that then you stop. Okay. And that of course we know that if you do worship and that you worship sincerely, you might receive an opening. And you might become from the awliya, hatta ahabba, and become beloved to Allah Ta'ala. But at that point, it doesn't mean that you leave your worship. It doesn't mean you leave everything you did to get up there. You have to keep that until you die. So this is an example of an invalid tafsir ishad. If you mean by that, that you're just worshiping in order to attain an opening, and then you no longer have to worship. So the first is, is that it not be incongruous with the outward meaning. And the second condition is You don't claim that the inner meaning, the elusive interpretation, is the only intended meaning of the verse. No, that you recognize is that verses have a multitude of meanings. They have different ways of understanding some. There's dimensions of meanings. And the outward has an outward meaning and it has to align with the inward meaning and then the inward meaning has an inward meaning however that you don't claim that the inward meaning is the only meaning and the third is that and so is that uh, that it not be that the meaning of what it is that you're interpreting is sound in and of itself so it can't just be some far-fetched meaning that is not sound. So for instance, um, that uh, when Allah Ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ankabut, Indeed that Allah is with Lamun Muzahlaqa, that's on the ma, the with, 
those who show ihsan, the people of excellence. And so that if someone tried to make the word lama'a a fi'l maldi, like lama'a means to glean. So in the laha, lama'a al-muhsinin. That's an invalid interpretation because here that lama'a is a, not a word uh, that is uh, transitive. It can't have a maf'ul bihi. It means just to simply gleam. So that's an incorrect usage. So that, that lamb there cannot be a verb that's a part of like lama'a from the verb. It has to be a particle. Lama'al muhsinin. Okay, and then the fourth condition, condition is Allah yukun lahum ma'arid shari'i aw aqli. And so there, there can't be um, anything in the sharia or anything according to that rational thinking that conflicts with it. So if any interpretation that's a tafsir shari conflicts with the sharia or conflicts with the aql, then it can't be a valid interpretation. And I mentioned that there's four, uh, but then they, they sometimes point to a fifth. And you call no shahad shari, you are you do is that there are um, that other uh, that foundations, foundational meanings in the sacred law that also point to a similar meaning. And that goes, kind of goes hand in hand with the one that came before it. So uh, with those conditions, though, you can have an acceptable interpretation of Allah subhanahu wa book of a meaning that points of a meaning that is pointed to, of a meaning that is indicated. Ayatza tafsir al-ishari is an elusive interpretation. And there are, uh, from the tafsir literature, certain tafsir that have these types of meanings in them. For instance, the tafsir al-Ulusi is one of them. The tafsir of uh, Imam al-Sulami uh, is one of them. The tafsir of Imam al-Tustari is another one. There's a tafsir of Imam al-Qushayri, al-Ta'if al-Isharat. Um, so there are uh, different tafasir uh, that they mention that contain uh, these meanings. And then we will just mention a few examples here. Now, so for instance, in إِنَّهُ لَا قُرْآنٌ And that indeed that it is a noble Qur'an. One of the righteous said about this uh, is that what is the meaning of karam here? So normally we think of it as the noble Qur'an, which is definitely a valid meaning. فَأَجَابَ This scholar said, بِأَنَّ مَعْنَى كَرَمَ الْقُرْآنِ هُوَ الْكِنَاءٍ كَثْرَةِ مَا يُعْطِي مِنَ الْعُلُومِ Meaning that the Qur'an is also kareem in terms of all of the different knowledge that it gives when you approach it and you reflect upon it. Okay? And then uh, others mentioned uh, and this is from you know, Umar bin Abdurus bin Aydurus al-Habshi in relation to the words of Allah Kulu shayin halikun illa wajha Everything is perishing Kulu shayin halik Everything is perishing illa wajha And the primary meaning is that except His countenance Subhanahu wa ta'ala Everything is perishing And then another meaning of the wajh here is not trans, not the meaning that normally we think of it as the countenance of Allah, wajhullah. But waj could also refer to a thing, an aspect of the thing. So he says here, in the kulishin lahu wajhan, wajhunil al-haq, wajhunil al-khalq. 
everything has a direction. It's directed towards Allah and directed towards creation. He said that the direction of that thing that is towards creation is definitely perishing. Right? He says is that that which is directed towards Allah remains. So when you do a good deed, and the aspect of that good deed that stems from your sincerity, even though that good deed goes, what remains is that sincerity of that good deed, i.e. the reward that you get for it after. Because it was for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Other, i.e. the direction of that thing towards Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, i.e. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala accepting that from you and preserving that for you. And then another example that is from in the words of Allah Ta'ala, وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ إِذَا And you translate as, remember your Lord when you forget. And one meaning of that is, is the obvious meaning, that if you fall into a state of heedlessness, remember Allah. Another meaning of that is, أَيْ أَنَّكَ إِذَا نَسِيت مَا سِوَى رَبَّكَ ذَكَرْتَ رَبَّكَ دُرُورَةً إِذْ لَا مَانِئْ مِنْ رُؤِيْتِهِ وَشُهُدِ إِلَّا السِّوَى Another meaning of that is, is وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ إِذَا نَسِيت And remember your Lord when you have forgotten. So in other words, true remembrance comes when you've forgotten everything else. And so you're not pulled by the siwa, everything other than Allah towards it, where your heart is in the state of remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. So it's a higher meaning. You're really remembering your Lord when you've forgotten all else. And similar is, is, is relation in Surah Al-Taha. And establish the prayer for my remembrance. And so here, you could translate that. You, that could refer to So that you can remember me. Dhikri. Dhikr is remembrance. Ri, my remembrance. But you could also um, that, uh, that say, وَقِيمَ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِي And establish the prayer for my remembrance, i.e. my remembrance of you. So to be mentioned by Allah is higher than being us mentioning Him. And we should still mention Him. But that meaning is possible. And Allah says in the, in the, in the Prophet Sallallahu narrates in a hadith Qudsi, مَنْ ذَكَرِ فِي نَفْسِي ذَكَرْتُ فِي نَفْسِي Whoever mentions me and his self, I will mention him. And there are other examples that they give. Um, and Ibn Abbas was known to also interpret uh, the verse in Surah Al-Shu'ra, وَتَقَلُّبَكَ فِي السَّاجِدِينَ And you're moving about in the loins of those prostrating. There is an outward meaning dimension to that. Uh, but then the inner meaning there is that he took it as a proof of the purity of the Prophet's lineage. The fact that you moved about in the loins of Sajidin, they were prostrate, i.e., monotheists who worshipped Allah in the most pure of all lineages, back to that Adam, alayhi So these are just examples, and there are many more that could be given. But the key is here is that this is a part of our tradition and there's conditions and the way that we access the inward in our deen is from the outward. We access the inward from the outward. And 
This is why some of them say that the matla or the muttala, the rising point which indicates inspiration, or the muttala which indicates a vantage point, is from the vantage point of the outward do we have access to the inward. And so anything that contradicts the outward aspects of our deen has to be rejected. But if we put the outward in its place and someone strives through worship and reflection and Allah inspires someone with an, an additional meaning, this is something that the ulama have accepted and with the conditions that were mentioned. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and give us openings in His book, Ya Arhamur Rahmin, and bless us to finish Ramadan strongly in the very best of ways and give us tawfiq in all of our affairs. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.